It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. It's ferocious. I want your heart. We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studio in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caliger, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay today. And, of course, uh, that was a quote from uh, my man Iron Mike Tyson. Uh, You know, I, I would never say something like that. Today's show is being brought to us in part by... Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get an authentic Italian meal. And today's show is being brought to us in part by... My book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I am so adamant about, I was going to say, find out why I go to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. No, no, no. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Um... All right, today, you know, we've been talking, in case you haven't noticed, there's, there's a world heavyweight title fight uh, on uh, on Saturday, and uh, normally we do uh, post-fight uh, shows after the big fights, and uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be doing one after this. Not that it's not a big fight, but just uh, some other uh, conflicting uh, schedules, so we will do our official post-fight show on Monday, uh, and we'll not only be talking about the Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz fight and the other fights on that card. We'll also be talking about the return of Sergey Kovalev uh, and the big fight really on that card, which is uh, Dimitri Bivol going up against Sullivan Barrera. So you don't want to miss Monday's show. As a matter of fact, we'll probably uh, open up all the phone lines too to get your thoughts on it. But as we move forward today, coming up a little bit later, I got an update on Kell Brook. Uh, we got an update on the WBC welterweight tournament. I got some emails to read, including the ones that I uh, didn't read yesterday. Got some quotes um, from uh, uh, Triple G and, and Canelo. Uh, some comments uh, from uh, Abel Sanchez I wanted to talk about. Um, but uh, to kick off the show, um, we got more quotes and, and comments from uh, both Deontay Wilder, who's a, pretty much of a shy guy. He doesn't really say much. Uh, but, uh, you know, not, I mean, this guy's been talking so much smack. I, I, I mean, you know, if, if it was literally dog poop coming out of his mouth, which a lot of it is, 
Uh, we'd all be wearing chess waders right now. But but the truth of the matter is, Deontay Wilder's got some quotes, and Luis Ortiz has some quotes. I saw some preliminary photos of him, some real like photos as of yesterday, and I tell you what, Luis Ortiz looks like he's in great shape. I mean, better than I've ever seen him. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, if uh, uh, if uh, Luis Ortiz really mentally and physically comes to the Barclays Center on Saturday night, ready to fight, ready to do half of what uh, you know he even is saying he's going to do, Deontay Wilder's in some trouble, boys and girls. Joining me right now from St. Simon's Island uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And I got news for you. I know uh, Deontay Wilder is your idol and everything, but the truth of the matter is is uh, Ortiz looks pretty damn good, Sal. What's your thoughts? Well, I'm glad he does. I mean, come on. We want to see fighters at their peak, and we want to see fighters give it their best, and we want to see fighters that come into shape. They come in shape. And uh, otherwise, it's not going to be the contest we we want to see. Boy, that sounds funny. And, and you know what? I bet every fan in Britain and, and uh, in Great Britain and every fan of Anthony Joshua – has got to be pulling for Deontay Wilder. And uh, uh, because if this fight goes any differently, there's going to be some big uh, big showdowns that are not going to happen as easily as, well, it's not happening easily now anyway. So I, I disagree. Uh, I disagree, and I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because even if Luis Ortiz wins the fight, right. yes, a unification fight between Ortiz and Anthony Joshua would be the fight that Anthony Joshua wants because Anthony Joshua wants to unify all the belts. However, like we've always been saying, Sal, and and the words have come out of your very own mouth, your very own mouth, Sal, that a loss does not mean the end of a boxing career. Therefore, Deontay Wilder, even if he loses, even if he loses, there'll still be an opportunity for him to get back up on his horse, fight another one of his typical <clears throat> bums, knock them out like he does, and get a shot against Anthony Joshua. It's still a money fight. After assuming, and, and, and you know what they say about assuming, but assuming that Anthony Joshua gets past Joseph Parker and well, assuming yeah. he unifies the belt, meaning he beats whoever's got the WBC, uh, WBC belt, there's still got to be guys he's got to fight, Sal, you know? And and Deontay Wilder could become one of those guys even with a loss. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying no, that agree. he would never get another, you know, I'm not saying if he loses to Ortiz, he doesn't have a shot against Joshua. No. I, I disagree with that statement. No, 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 And I, I didn't mean it like that. What I'm saying is the trains are getting ready to collide, if you will. I mean, th- this fight is going to be, if both fighters win their their fights regarding you know what their what their next f- opponents are, they should be heading into a clash before the end of the year. That's all I'm saying. If it doesn't happen, if both of these fighters, both of these champions, do not win their respective fights, there's going to be a little bit of a, a wrench thrown into the gears. That's all I'm saying. I, I would love to see uh, this fight take place this year between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. And I would love to see 
Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua win their respective fights in order for that fight to, to take place. That's all. You know, you don't want to hear something funny I'm going to say right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if Anthony, jo- I mean, if Deontay Wilder loses on Saturday night, I bet you, I bet you he ends up fighting Anthony Joshua faster than if he wins the fight yeah, on well, Saturday. It, you know, like I, I mean, what do you think of that? I think that's a very good, profound statement, and I can't discount it. It's almost like remember, remember the movie The Raging Bull when uh, when uh, when uh, Jake LaMotta was was told to uh, maybe do a little uh, song and dance with Billy Fox to get a title shot. He goes, hey, you know, if you win, you win. If you lose, you win. So either way, you could you, you don't lose. You always win. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, De- Deontay Wilder believes that he's. The, the best. I mean, and, and like we've discussed, um, you know, that's not my hang-up with him because I, every fighter needs to have that level of confidence. My, my hang-up yes. to him is that he uses his own resume as an example of why he's the best, and that's the joke of it. But but anyway, I, believe it or not, Sal, I have some uh, 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 some quotes from, from Wilder and Ortiz, and, and there's on. one— Really? I know it's shocking, but it's there's shocking. one. I want to there's, hear this. there's actually one that I can't agree with Deontay more. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'd even treat him to dinner because of this con- this uh, comment. But let me start off with with me? with the no, he he didn't he didn't. But uh, let let me start off with uh, uh, and and it's like reading War and Peace because you know Deontay Wilder uh, is not ever short on words. But but here's some quotes, and this is specific about the Ortiz fight. He says. Uh, I've prepared myself for this moment for a long time. I'm going to prove it to the world that I'm the best. That's why I gave the, that's why I gave this opportunity to Ortiz again. He says he's the real King Kong, but King Kong knows what happens when he comes <laughs> when he comes to New York. Uh, what what is he referring to? That that Luis Ortiz is going to climb the Empire State Building and try and fight so, some right? airplanes? I, I mean, you know what? Um, you know, That's it, actually a good analogy. I, I know. I kind of like that I, one myself. I, I did like that one, too. He <laughs> says, I don't need anything to motivate me. Luis Ortiz doesn't need to say anything to motivate me unless he speaks English. No. Uh, I have a killer instinct. No matter what people say they're going to do, I always do what I say. I speak it, I believe it, and I receive it. You know, you know, we thought that we were the murderers of the murderers of the English language. Well, I mean, even he makes Slip Mahoney look uh, look like he was a, uh, an English major. I mean, in some of the the wording and the way he uses words just doesn't doesn't make sense. But anyway, let's leave it at that. Um, he said, like that line. Uh, I I always do what I say. I speak it. I believe it, and I receive it. <laughs> Why, what does why, that mean? You know, but uh, it wasn't misquoted. Listen, I'm, I'm going to say something. I I could understand, you know, what he's doing. He's talking. He's being bravado. He's showing it. And you know what? Whether it's to help him believe it or or just let others, hey, this is what I do to sell tickets. No, no, this listen, you're right. And and I believe it's the the first part of your statement. I believe this is the way. He needs to motivate himself. He pumps himself up. And, and as a matter of fact, he says that now. He says, my family is is even more motivation than I need. Uh, this gives me more motivation than I'll ever need to beat any man who's willing to meet me in the ring. I mean what I say. I mean what I feel, and I'm ready for whoever. Anthony Joshua 
uh, will barely even mention my name. Well, I'm here and I'm ready for him. I'm the best in the world. I've been saying it for years. Here's a test. This is the fight that the fans have been waiting for. I'm going to pass this test with flying colors. I don't have any worries about Ortiz at all. When I look at Ortiz, he doesn't look powerful. I know he has nice skills like all Cuban. He has nice skills. He has nice skills like all Cuban fighters. That's nothing to me. It's going to be up to him to prove me wrong. I don't want anybody to change their prediction about me versus Anthony Joshua after what they see on Saturday. I'm going to keep proving people wrong just like I've always done. I love proving people wrong. This is the fight game, and everybody knows that you need to have confidence to be in it. I've had to fight all my life because people said I wouldn't do amount to anything. Here I am standing tall because of the confidence I have in myself and my abilities. I don't believe any man can beat me. Uh, when I think about Ortiz, I see threes. It's a magical number. I see a third-round knockout. I've done what I've said so far, and I haven't let anybody down. I will knock him out, and then I will unify the division. I'm on a mission. There will be one champion, one face, one name. That's Deontay Wilder. He says, I've been waiting to prove to myself for a long time and have been saying that I'm the best of this heavyweight division and the best of this era. America has had a badass who goes by the name of Deontay Wilder. I just haven't had the opportunity to prove it. Before I, first of all, I love that comment and i have a a a really really good one in a minute but so far sal of all the rhetoric and that's what i call it because he keeps saying the same thing over and over and over for the last several months Mm -hmm. i read into this that it's indeed what you were alluding to earlier i think this is his way of motivating himself you know once again you read between the lines you, you you're seeing him justifying his career as him showing and proving to everybody that he's already accomplished um, and with the exception of being considered a belt holder I just disagree that his resume does not uh, indicate that he is you know as good as he says he is I also read between the lines that he's kind of looked taken Ortiz lightly now whether that's because he knows something we don't whether he really thinks that they waited long enough because Ortiz uh, legitimately is not really 38 or 39 like uh, they say. He's probably closer to 45. Um, You know, I don't know. But up to this point, um, I really think that this is Deontay's way of motivation. Now, before I get to this comment I really love, what's your thoughts on what you heard uh, uh, this time from Deontay? I like what I've heard. And and part of why you have me on this show is because of my experience as a professional fighter, I know we sometimes go through semantics and, and minutiae, if you will, I use that word a little bit, of of wanting to prove, wanting to show, and wanting to evolve into the fighter we know we are inside. It's just having the right opportunities and given the opportunity. So I can understand every word that he is professing and he is saying right now. I really do. And I know in his heart of hearts, in his heart of hearts, he truly believes, he truly believes in his heart of hearts that he is the greatest fighter out there in the heavyweight division today. And that can't be discounted. 
and it can't be disproven until he gets in the ring and dances with the right people. And I think he's on his way of fulfilling what he is proclaiming uh, right now in his heart of hearts. I think he's going to, I don't want to say easily handle Ortiz, but I think he will stop Ortiz. And I think a showdown with Anthony Joshua is going to be the ultimate moment that we're going to see and we're going to long for and we're going to wait for to see two great heavyweights clash and with only one's going to be remaining. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like what he I like what he says, okay? I am a Deontay Wilder fan. I am an Anthony Joshua fan. And that's why I want to see two great fighters get in a ring. Do I think that that Anthony Joshua uh, uh, has what it takes to beat a Deontay Wilder? Yes. Do I think Deontay Wilder has what it takes to possibly beat Anthony Joshua? Yes. It's just going to be that kind of fight. Uh, and I think they will both have no excuses after they finally meet and they get in a ring. Um, but I, I, I do like both fighters, and I don't want it to be discounted on that level. Well, <clears throat> you know, that, that my man Joel is in the chat room. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, not Joel, Willie is in the chat room, and he's uh, uh, mentioning some rumors that have been floating around. Um, uh, you know, uh, Willie says there's rumor and photos floating around the Internet that uh, Ortiz hurt his right hand. Uh, I heard it was his left. He is a southpaw. Um, you know, either way. Uh, I don't, Sounds I, like a big butt coming. Yeah, you know, so, uh, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so so let me, but before I take this break. Yeah. Um. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to take a break. So for all the affiliates and stuff, we're we're going to pass by this break. Um, but uh, and I know I, they get upset with me because they have to do more work. But uh, but the truth of the matter is, here's the quote that Deontay what people have people just don't they they misunderstand me, Sal. Because I, you know, the truth of the matter is, I don't hate Deontay Wilder. I, no, I, I, you always said I know. Like I, I always say you think he's a fine gentleman. Yeah. Well, I whoa, know whoa, what whoa, you whoa. say. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he's a fine gentleman, but but, but I do like him. Um, I, I, I just what what I, I feel bad for him. It's almost like I feel he's been really taken advantage of, and, and the guy that everybody thinks is helping him and helped boxing and everything is the biggest crook of all and al Heyman, just talk to some of the other fighters that signed with him that has been sitting on the shelf for two years but anyway let me read this comment because you're gonna love it too I, I trust me this is this is deontay wilder he was asked which you know he's been bombarded with questions concerning um you know uh it's it, he's been b bombarded with uh uh, questions about previous errors I, I, as you recall or maybe you don't he said that he's the best ever in the heavyweight division he said he would have thumped uh, guys like Mike Tyson and, and Lennox Lewis uh, you know he says nobody would have stood a chance he, he's the best ever and both Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson had to you know uh, slap some sense into him uh, through the through media uh, so the media has jumped all over this and they're always bringing it up and once again they asked him uh, about the comments that he made about previous errors. And this is what Deontay said recently, the other day. He said, the only thing I'll say about past errors is that those guys were not afraid to fight each other. They fought each other. 
That is what made their eras so unique and great and still is being talked about to this day because those guys fought each other. It doesn't matter whether it was two or three times. They would probably get in there a fourth time. They fought each other. Nowadays, in this era, everybody wants to keep their unbeaten record. Nobody wants to fight. Wow. Everybody's talking about making it a business. Yes, we all have family. Yes, we need money. Yes, we risk our lives. But that's the difference. Everybody wants to be a businessman all of a sudden. Nobody wants to lose. But what those people don't understand is that this is boxing. Sometimes you lose and sometimes you win. But if you lose, it's not over. If you feel and believe that you can come back off of this, you could probably be even greater than before. You can't be a three- or four-time heavyweight champion if you don't lose. Nowadays, they are scared. I, I applaud wow. Deontay wow. Wilder for that comment, Sal, because it's 100% true. 100% I, I, I mean, I can't say one disagreeing I know I wonder if I did write it you know I, I mean the truth of the matter is is that what he said and if it was truly from his mouth or somebody telling him to say I, I can't not respect that and for that reason I, I hope that should he get a bump in the road this weekend and, and come up on the losing end that he remembers what he said and that the truth of the matter is a loss does not change a fighter's career. Uh, it can, and a lot of times does, make them better. And I just said, ironically enough earlier, that if he should lose the fight, I bet you he gets a chance with Anthony Joshua quicker. What's your thoughts on that comment and the ramifications uh, from that comment? I, I I agree with his comment 100%. Uh, I think he said that from the heart. And... I think he really does believe that. And that's exactly, you know, maybe somebody pulled him aside and said, hey, you know, you, you, when you made an earlier statement about being the greatest in any division, any, any, any era, I think somebody might have, might have uh, uh, helped him understand, you know, what the difference really truly was in different generations of, of champions. But needless to say, he definitely comes out with every word that I align myself and correctly say that I agree with him 100 percent and uh, I, I I commend him I commend him for that statement I commend him if he believes 100 percent in that statement and uh, like I said uh, I don't have to hide I, I uh, I'm a Deontay Wilder fan I'm an Anthony Joshua fan I think they both bring a a certain uh, element to the heavyweight division, and I think they're on a collision course, and uh, it's inevitable. I just hope it happens sooner than later. But I like what he said; it's a great statement. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's. Uh, I love it. I love the right. statement. It's, it's fantastic, and, and it's hard like not. I, said, I don't think you could have written it for him any better. And and to tell you the truth, it's hard not to root for him. It, it just no. you know, but when he when he gets back to himself then that's when i'm like oh yeah that's right that's why that's why i i, I want to i think you i think billy and and like you said you said in the past that 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 you like him he's a good guy from what you can see on the outside but i think what you have a hard time with is, is just when he uses his resume as it stands to promote and say this is him beating everybody out there but, and 
my, my thing with all fighters, not just Deontay. No, not, not just it, Deontay. With all fighters. It, right. You're 100% right. Keith I, Thurman, all of them. I just well Keith Thurman you know Keith Thurman's Keith, a different yeah. Keith Keith Thurman's a different situation because Keith Thurman was doing everything they're supposed to do and then all of a sudden he stopped same thing with Canelo you know you can't you can't dispute the resumes of Keith Thurman and and Canelo Alvarez but you can clearly see all of a sudden when their when their mindset changed and they yes. didn't want to take any risk and they wanted to milk things as long as they could etc cetera, etc cetera. they both. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, punch up and look at the, the, the frequency in which both those fighters that we're talking about right now, Deontay, I mean, uh, Keith Thurman and, and uh, Canelo Alvarez, look at the frequency in which they fought, and then all of a sudden... They were hungry. But then look at the, the more recent times, you know? I know. And, and, and all, Abel Sanchez uh, said yesterday that Canelo Alvarez is a disgrace to the Mexicans, being Mexican himself. He said that all, all he promises and misleads and lies, call him a liar, lies to the public, saying that this is he's going to knock out can, uh, Triple G, et cetera, et cetera. He says all he did in the first fight was run. Is he going to run in the second fight? You know, well, which makes the point. But anyway, this is about Ortiz and, and Wilder right now. Luis Ortiz, he didn't have as many long-winded things to say, um, you know, but he did have this to say. He said, uh, I'm psyched and I'm ready for Saturday. I have no worries at all about being the underdog. I will knock Deontay Wilder out. I'm anxious. I'm ready to get in the ring. It's been a long wait, but it's almost time to fight, and I just can't wait anymore. I'm here for my world title. I'm here to win the heavyweight championship of the world. Winning the belt is the only thing on my mind. It's going to be big for me to get this win on Saturday for myself and for Cuban boxing. This is what makes me happy and gives me thrills. It'll all be worth it on Saturday night. I am the champ. Saturday night, I will show everyone why. Um, you know, I, 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 the wording, you know, I, I'm always looking at the wording of, of I know quotes. You are. And, and the wording of this is remember we were talking about when fighters step in the ring and they're like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best, you know, I, I'm gonna right. give it my all. I had a great training camp. I, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to give it a shot. You know, that's that's not confidence. And then you have the other side of 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 the coin where you have a guy like Deontay Wilder talking about how what you know how great he is for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then you have a, a comment like this, where you read between the lines. And this guy, it seems mentally, he's not accepting anything less than than winning. That you know, this is his time. There's there's no what if I lose. What what if he drops me? What if you know? He, he, there's no. He's not. That's not in his mind. It reminds me of you know two looks that will forever be etched in my mind when. Two different opponents with two different results were entering the ring with my man, Mike Tyson. The first was Michael Spinks. The look on his face when he was walking to the, to the ring had the look of, oh, my God, I'm about to get killed. I'm about, I'm, there's no way I'm going to win. I, you know, I mean, the <laughs> look so on right. his face, he was scared to death. They, they practically scared. had to drag him into the ring. And ultimately, he was knocked out in, you know, whatever it was, 30 seconds, a minute and a half, whatever. Um, then the other look that 
is etched in my mind is the look of Evander Holyfield when he was walking to the ring to fight Mike Tyson. And no one was giving Evander Holyfield a chance to win, including myself. And Evander Holyfield, I remember watching him and that long walk to the ring, and I'm looking at this guy's face, and I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, this guy has this look of confidence on his face that it seems that he knew something that no one else did. And I, and I, I, I turned and said it to the people I was watching the fight with. I said, man, he looks like he's got this confidence. I'm nervous about this fight. And ultimately, he won the fight. Well, yes, that's the, the, the feeling I get from Luis Ortiz, Sal, that he's got this, as a matter of fact, type of confidence. And Ortiz, Ortiz is, does not have to convince himself. He already just can't wait to prove himself. With Deontay Wilder, he says he's going to prove himself. But to me, he's trying to convince himself. What's your thoughts? I'd say that's a good uh, assessment. And and if it's a true depiction, I I don't know. But I, I could see how you could arrive at that. And, and if both of these fighters do not believe they're going to beat the other, they should not be getting in the ring. So you have to go with Luis Ortiz in his statements and feeling he's going to prove to the world that he is going to win this fight and beat, beat Deontay Wilder. But you also have to listen to the words of Deontay Wilder that – you know, this is part of his destiny, where he wants to be, where he feels he's going to be, and what he has to prove to the doubting fans of uh, of uh, the heavyweight division. So I think, I think he 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 has something to prove. I believe both fighters, in their heart of hearts, feel they're going to going to win Saturday night. And uh, fortunately, unless it's a draw, uh, we're going to see one fighter come out the winner. And I'm going to choose Deontay Wilder. That's all. Well, also but I like the, both statements. Hey, they both say what they got to say. That's it. Well, I, you know, I, I, I hope that this hand injury, alleged hand injury, you know, we're hearing both sides of it. Uh, one hand, it's right hand, it's left hand, whatever. Um, I'm just glad that, you know, I, I well, let me rephrase it. I just it hope could it be doesn't, rhetoric, too. Well, it I just, just a false thing. Right. I, I just hope it doesn't come into play. I hope if Deontay knocks out Ortiz, Ortiz doesn't say, well, you know, if the truth no. is, I don't want to make an excuse, but I hurt my hand. You know, I, I don't want to hear that. Um, Ortiz, uh, especially with the situation that he's overcome in terms of the PED results, whether you believe him or not, um, I, you know, this. I think this is his only chance. In, in this case, uh, this guy's a one and done. If he doesn't win this fight, we probably won't see Luis Ortiz again. Um, this would clearly be a cash-out fight, in my opinion. Uh, but if he wins this fight, you're going to see him fight Anthony Joshua. You're going to see the best thing for this sport, to be honest with you, Sal, the best thing for this sport is for Ortiz to win this fight. I, I got news for you. It really is, and I'll tell you why. It creates so many other lucrative matches. It creates the comeback trail for Deontay Wilder. Luis Ortiz is not going to get a comeback trail. He, he's, he, you know, he just won't get it. Deontay will. All right. So, so Luis Ortiz, he wins this fight. 
he gets a shot at Anthony Joshua. Assuming Anthony Joshua gets by Joseph Parker, you know we, we can't dismiss Joseph Parker. This we is the guy. We can be seeing Parker and Luis. You you got it because let me tell you something, uh, Joseph Parker. You're talking about confidence level. Joseph Parker seems more confident than anybody that I've seen. But anyway, uh, assuming that Anthony Joshua remains the the man and Ortiz wins, of course you're going to see that unification fight. But Deontay, maybe Deontay against Joseph Parker. Maybe Deontay against somebody else. I mean, there's other. Remember, I always say there's always the next biggest fight. fight. You know, so so the best thing that could happen would be for Ortiz to win. The best thing for for boxing, not for Deontay, but the best thing for boxing would be for Luis Ortiz to win. And nothing for nothing, it's not going to be a terrible thing for Deontay. He'll be able to still make a lot of money. You know, but uh, but but anyway, one one last thing I wanted to mention before I do have to take this break is uh, remember the, the uh, super middleweight fight between Jose uh, Usel uh, Guy or whatever? Usel Guy. Yeah, Yuzel let's guy. just call him Jose U because I can't Ooh. pronounce his last name. Right. And he fought Andre Durrell uh, yeah, for, the uh, for, the, for the IBF's version of the title or interim yeah. version or whatever. And um, in my opinion, incorrectly, uh, Jose U was disqualified for punching after the bell even though I thought that he was already in motion, but that's besides the point. But what made this fight even more disruptive was that after the fight, when both fighters were, were in their respective corners, yeah. um, Darrell's uncle, and, uncle and by the way, the Darrell brothers bring an element to, to live fights that, you know, you heard Larry Hazard say it, you heard many other people say it, it's just a negative uh, impact on the sport. Uh, with their with their full entourage, uh, not only the people that are working the corner, but uh, you know other friends, family, whatever that that travel with the Durrell brothers, and there's always an issue. Um, but Durrell's uncle and cornerman at the time, Leon Lawson, walks up to Durrell, uh, to Jose Uzelcom, uh, Jose U, and he's like talking to him like they're just talking, and and Jose's got his gloves down, and he sucker punches him in the face. Now it's supplementally. Uh, he was arrested. He uh, is still, uh, uh, you know, battling the, the uh, assault uh, charge and uh, also a civil suit from uh, Jose Yu. Um, but Jose Yu, and I, I'm not going to say anything about, I, I'm not going to comment or, or give Durrell uh, any uh, platform. So, you know, I, I could care less. I, I, I hope he gets totally beaten to a pulp uh, on uh, Saturday night. But uh, Jose Yu says, and I quote, Neither the bell, nor the referee, nor the judges, nor his cowardly uncle will save Durrell this time. I will do justice with my own fists in the ring. I've come twice as physically and mentally prepared as the last time. Nothing will stop me from succeeding again against Andre Durrell. On Saturday night, I will fulfill my dream of becoming a world champion. Um I don't know if there's anybody that can root against this guy or, or should. What do you think? No, I think it's a, a hell of a quote, bravado, and and uh, full of uh, full of uh, good words that we're going to anticipate seeing what happens. I, I think it's good. I right. like to hear when fighters talk like that. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, it's deserving. A lot of times, uh, it is. You know, a lot of times uh, they shouldn't. But uh, in any event, all right, let's take uh, a short break, Sal. When we come back. Uh, I got some uh, other news. I'm going to read some emails. And then we're going to get uh, visited by my man uh, Alex Perpali 
uh, as he gives us his thoughts uh, on the fight scheduled for this weekend. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, don't forget, Monday, we're going to be doing our uh, post-fight show. And during our regular show, we'll be talking exclusively uh, about uh, the fights from Saturday. And there's a lot of them. So uh, you're not going to want to miss Monday morning's show. And if you're able to watch it live, uh, we most likely will be opening up the phone lines. Speaking of phone lines, we'll have uh, Alex Papali join us uh, here in about uh, half hour. Uh, but I'm back here with uh, my man, Sal. And uh, Sal, um, I, before I get into uh, some emails, um, I, I wanted to give you an update on that WBC welterweight tournament. Uh, they announced all the fighters and what the matchups were. Now, the way they did this, the, the first event is taking place April 27th. And the way they did it was they, act, they actually asked boxing fans uh, to rank the fighters. And then they uh, formulated the uh, first round matchups. So the number one seed, which is Felix Diaz, he's got a record of uh, 19 and 2 with nine knockouts out of uh, Dominican Republic, is taking on the number eight seed who's undefeated Derek uh, Cuvas uh, out of Puerto Rico. Uh, the number two seed, which is Chris Van Herden, he's 25-2 and two with a draw out of South Africa, faces the number seven seed, Timo uh, Schwarzkopf uh, of Germany. Uh, he's got a record of 18-1 and one with 10 knockouts. Number three seed, Frederick Lawson of the United States, 26-1 and one with 21 knockouts, is taking on uh, Hashibano uh, Naizewula, uh, out of China, who's 13-1-1. The number four seed uh, is taken on uh, Radshib Butev uh, out of Russia. He's 8-0 with six knockouts. He's taken on the fifth seed, uh, which who's Brad Solomon, a good fighter out of Georgia, 27-1. Uh, uh, there was also two alternates chosen. Uh, Francisco Santana, he's 26-6 and six with a draw uh, of uh, California. And Patty Gallagher, uh, who's 13-3 and three, uh, of Northern Ireland. These guys... Um, are uh, uh, the alternates? Um, he, he, here's, I mean, all these fights sound good, and I and I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to this tournament because uh, I love uh, all the tournament uh, type uh, fights. Uh, but uh, here's here's the the concerning part once again, and this isn't, you know, you could be critical of me in the last one or the one before, the one before that one. I said, oh, you know, the U.S. fighters, U.S. fighters, blah blah blah. So, so there's a total of eight fighters and then two alternates. So, you know, don't don't take your socks and shoes off. I'll I'll, I'll total it for you. It's ten fighters, all right. Um, eligible. There's ten fighters in this tournament that's eligible to win this tournament. Thirty percent. And again, you you don't have to break out a calculator. Three of the ten fighters uh, are from the United States. Uh, I would have liked to have seen half of the fighters. Uh, but it, it, to me, Sal, it proves that the U.S. fighters, they don't want to take these risks. And this is a, this is a, a, a huge opportunity. These, are, these, aren't, these aren't fighters like 
the uh, World Boxing Super Series where, you know, they already have world titles. These are guys that are trying to position themselves for a world title. And I'm appalled, uh, especially in a division that is loaded with American fighters, that we only were able to uh, uh, get three. And that's one of them is an alternate three fighters of the 10 from the U.S. What's your thoughts? Well, it's like you and I have said. I mean, you know, a lot of the U.S. fighters, uh, their promoters and managers, if they have a, an ounce of talent, they want to put them on a on a uh, uh, zero loss path of, of trying to maneuver and leverage them into a situation for either a big payday or a title shot. And then they're exposed or they've risen to the occasion when they finally get that opportunity. Um, now, this kind of a tournament is, is also a great fast track for those that aren't afraid to put it, put it on the line and, and draw the straws and see who they're going to fight. And, and it could be anybody, anywhere, and uh, anytime. So uh, I, my, I commend them. And it, it's like, like I always refer back to. I remember when ESPN did years ago. In the 80s, uh, their their tournament that was an ESPN championship tournament. And, you know, those that won the fights or those that were in the fights, and that was probably 80% all domestic fighters. Um, they they all had a fast track after they were the ESPN champion to, uh, to get a title shot. Uh, so I think it's a great idea. I love a tournament situation as long as the tournament – is within a decent frame of time. And uh, uh, so uh, I, I commend these guys that are throwing their hat in the ring and I uh, hope they get it. It brings them the notoriety and the, the, the wherewithal to get them leveraged after the fact of the tournament that's, uh, when it's over, you know? It's well, a good thing. It's a good thing. And I think having 30%, 40% is better than nothing. And... But like I said, most of the U.S. fighters, they want their own little pathway. They don't want to be uh, throwing themselves at the mercy of uh, a win-loss in a tournament. Well, I mean, my, my, my thinking here, uh, as far as the U.S. or lack of, I think it's pretty obvious that it's, it's like what Deontay Wilder said in, in the, earlier in the, in the show. They're all becoming, they all think they're businessmen. And they're all following a blueprint that was 100% successful for Floyd Mayweather, you know, where he cherry-picked the, the weaker opposition. Yes, they had pedigree and, and stuff, but all the timing, timing, timing. And at the end of the day, uh, made uh, boatloads of money and, you know, walked away undefeated. And, you know, everybody wants to – listen, human nature is to copy success. And, you know, that's what's taking place here. And um, I, I, it's just so obvious that the mindset from the U.S. fighters, and, and these aren't, remember something, Sal, somebody along the line is advising these kids when they start fighting. Because the first reason you, you fight isn't, you're not thinking of, of anything other than to prove you're the best. Remember, when a, kid, mm -hmm. when a kid first walks into a gym and wants to become a fighter or at least experiment with it, it's not for any other reason other than he wants to be a badass. I'm, I'm sorry. That's the truth. Now, now, maybe, maybe they evolve into thinking other things, like it's a science, it's this, it's that, and all the other positives about the sport. But the initial reason is they want to fight. 
You know, how many times does a kid walk into a gym and the first thing they ask a trainer is, when do I get to spar? You know, and, and a good oh, yeah. trainer will be, you're not going to be sparring until I can see you hit the heavy bag right or hit the speed bag or you got to get conditioned. You know, but the first thing a kid wants to do is get in a ring and spar. Am I wrong about that, Sal? No, that's the first thing we want to do. You know, I remember being a little kid, and that's the first thing I wanted to do. And, and you know, the trainer said, no, you, you, we got to see what you could do and, and make sure you uh, you have a little understanding of the sport of boxing. You know, other than that, before that, I was just uh, eight, nine years old, uh, taking a kite string, roping off the apple trees in my backyard and getting the neighborhood kids in there with these big balloon gloves. And that's wow, that's how we boxed. So, you know, so uh, to be in an organized boxing and fighting. Yeah. You before you get in a ring with anybody, even sparring, it was good to get a little foundation and understanding about the real mechanics of boxing. You know, when I, I was in a, a junior Golden Gloves league in Long Island, and then we had moved upstate, and I was still a kid, and yeah. uh, we had this barn. You know, it, it was this barn. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in there, and, you know, um, we made a little ring up there. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd want to box anybody, you know. And, and unfortunately for uh, my younger brother, he was usually my opponent. <laughs> You know, but but I used to uh, I I used to uh, you know uh, let him hit me and and I, you know I would try to avoid him and you know uh, I made him a better person. But uh, anyway, uh, let's get to some emails um, now. I, normally, I just want to start off with this. Normally, I don't really get into commenting from other vehicles. All right. Now, what I say that is, if you take the time to drop me an email. Um, I'll take the time to, to read it on this show, but there's so many other comments that I see and, and read sometimes, and, you know, I want to comment on it, and sometimes I do, and uh, other times I don't. I, we wouldn't have enough time, um, so we urge anybody that's watching or listening to the show, if you do want your thoughts, opinions, questions, whatever heard, it's really easy. All you got to do is drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Uh, dot com. However, yesterday I was looking at uh, some YouTube comments and I was getting, you know, r responding back and forth and, and had a, a decent uh, 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 conversation with a couple of different viewers and listeners. But this one guy made a comment and along the lines of him saying, you know, over in England, they promote their young fighters a lot better. Specifically, we were talking about heavyweights. They promote them a lot better. Everybody knows about Anthony Joshua, blah, blah, blah. And here in the States, we don't. And he gave me two names, Darmani Rock and Marlo Moore, two extremely successful amateurs that, that uh, you know, uh, fought uh, the Olympic trials, et cetera, et cetera, and are, are pros now. Um, Darmani Rock is a 21-year-old heavyweight. He's six foot five. And he's weighed, since he's turned pro in 2016, he's weighed between 246.5 and, and 252.5. His lightest weights uh, came at uh, 241, 244, something like that. Uh, but he's 10-0 with six knockouts. A well-accomplished amateur. And by looking at, you know, uh, the fights that he fought, um, you know, he's following that same type of mold, although a couple of the fighters look decent, uh, his last two uh, were actually the best two fighters uh, on paper. 
uh, that he had fought. But the circuit in which he's fighting gives you an indication of, of the path. And this is the difference between the fighters from Europe and the fighters here in the States. My man was right. We don't promote them because our promoters aren't as good as the foreign promoters are, at least today. And what their goal is, is to build up a fighter, you know, to get to that magic number, 20 and 0, and then all of a sudden they're magically a mandatory. They get their shot, and then they lose because they never had a chance to get better, like we've been talking about for 15 years, saying that the right way to build up a fighter is to progressively increase his level of opposition so they get a chance to get better. But the business end has taken priority, just like Deontay said. And we end up with these talented fighters that never get a chance to get better than when they turn pro. Darmani Rock is a great example. He's 10-0 with six knockouts. I had never heard of him. And I don't follow the amateurs as much as I should, so that's probably why. Now, the other guy, Marlo Moore. These are 10 amateur fights? No, he's 10 pro fights already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, he turned pro in 2016. Wow. You know, he fought um, last year in 2017, he fought four times, you know, okay. uh, and, and nobody's ever heard of him. Well, I, I mean, if you're an amateur, if you follow the amateurs, you heard of him. But, I mean, he's big enough. Um, this guy could be – he's from Philly. I mean, I mean, this is a promotable a, guy. Yeah, this is a guy that should be marketed. Exactly, and that was the, the viewer's point. Uh, the other guy he mentioned, Marlo Moore, he's a little older, uh, 27 years old. Um, he's smaller. He, he weighs uh, right now at about 225. Um, his, he's a pro debut. Uh, he won uh, a uh, uh, third-round stoppage over a three-and-six guy, Oswaldo Ortega, uh, who was small himself, 216 pounds. Now, this particular fighter was also well-decorated in the amateurs, but, you know, and, and I don't know. I've never seen him fight, so I don't know. But just by looking at the statistics size-wise, He's not going to fare well with today's version of the heavyweights. Although Rock, Darmani Rock, he looks like he's uh, he's the real deal. So I, I agree with this guy, and I wanted to bring it up. The truth of the matter is, is that our promoters here in the States do not promote fighters, even, even glory divisions like the heavyweight division. And that's a shame, Sal. It's a shame. And uh, like I said, I... I just love the way that fighters were groomed and the grassroots promotions uh, were what it started and how it evolved. Uh, like I said, and I'll go to the playbook and I use it and I refer back to it. I'm sorry if it's redundant for everybody, but the Lou Duva handbook of promoting fighters was spectacular. He did the grassroots. Uh, he did the local shows. He made the local fighters who were very good and talented stars. I mean... And uh, guess what? The breeding ground, the proving ground, uh, like a blue horizon north was the ice world of Totowa. And uh, ice world of Totowa, you had the Rocky Lockridge, you, uh, you had Bobby Chez, you had Scott Frank who fought Larry Holmes for the heavyweight championship. You had, uh, you had, um, uh, you had a couple of the Olympians there. Uh, Vinny Pazienza fought there on our shows. And, uh, you know, these were all great fighters. Who uh, started where I where I did, and and they evolved. And Lou Duva promoted them, and uh, from a grassroots approach. And 
and it was it was great. And you don't see that today. No. It's, it's it's gone. Well, the, the problem is is that it's it you have to contribute laziness in there, Sal. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. Just like you're saying now, granted, you see. Back in those days, fight posters, word of mouth, that was how you got the, the word out that you're having a show at the at the Civic Center, at the Armory, whatever. Um, and, you know, people bought tickets. Now, the laziness of the promoters, hey, we got social media, put it up on Facebook, you know, and then uh, boxing's dead, you know. And, and really, boxing has, is the type of sport that you can't just get away with, with social media. You have to do the old-time uh, hitting-the-streets uh, type. But the point here is that a promoter's job isn't just to put on a show and collect the money. And believe me, when I became a promoter, that's that was the first thing I thought. Oh, wait, wait, Don King's a promoter. All you have to do. No. <laughs> and and I learned <laughs> and I learned the the hard way, but I was a promoter, a grassroots type promoter. Right. And um, you know, what you're seeing today is a fast track to it to the to the payday. And, you know, what these promoters do now is, is just like in this uh, Damarni Rock situation, he's fighting in, in, in Virginia and the Carolinas and all these small little events that nobody ever sees or hears about or gets video of, but they're quietly amassing that record, that undefeated record. Then all of a sudden, poof, they appear on an HBO or, or a, a, you know, Showtime or a ESPN card. And, you know, they, they fight some slug, he knock, they knock him out, and everybody's like, oh, this is the next guy. This is the, just like Deontay Wilder, you know. And, um, and, and then they try to move it that way. They, they maneuver instead of move. Um, and it's hurting the sport, and, and really it hurts the fighters because they don't get a chance to get better. But listen, let me, let me read some emails because sure. we're backed up, and we got uh, Alex coming on here in, in several minutes. So um, this one was left over. I told you I had three left over from yesterday. This one's from my man uh, Jeff from uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which incidentally, the Billy Joel song called Allentown was actually about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. But anyway, uh, he says, hey, Billy, C and Sal, I'm excited to be attending the Madison Square Garden show uh, on March 3rd. It was a birthday gift from my son. He says, I know Wilder's fighting in Brooklyn on the same night, but I'm banking on an exciting evening with Kovalev and especially Bibble uh, and uh, Alexander. Uh, I'm interested to see if Kovalev can find his way back and if he allows his new trainer a voice in the corner. I was disappointed in his fight with Ward. Really, uh, Ward really took his heart. I believe Ward is really that good. I watched him discourage Kessler, tame Frotch, and beat up Kovalev uh, when he's cornered. He's one bad fighter, and he puts in parentheses because we're always making fun of that. Bad meaning good. He says mm -hmm. uh, that really can do whatever it takes to win. I'm sh still unsure if the ref would have allowed Kovalev to land so many borderline shots on Ward, but hey, in my opinion, it was time for Kovalev to get down and dirty, and he wasn't up to the task. Ward outmauled him. It's funny, but Kessler and Frotch both came back strong, yet neither had a stomach to take on Ward again. I doubt Kovalev will ever call for him again either. I think this is a real step up for Bivol. Well, let me comment on that. You know, Ward Ward is just a boring fighter. Um, nobody ever said, including myself, that he didn't have the talent. He clearly has the talent. My hang-up with Andre Ward was that he wasn't exciting, although he did fight exciting in the, uh, in the Kovalev fight, the second one. But the problem with Ward was that he didn't fight enough. And, you know, he thought who he was you know he thought he's this big huge superstar and demanded the you know mayweather and and canelo and pacquiao and Cotto type purses 
and he just didn't have the drawing power. I mean, he can't even draw in his own home state. He was a victim of not being promoted correctly. And, oh, by the way, he was a gold medal winner. I believe he's our last U.S. gold medal winner, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So, I, I mean, this is a guy that clearly had the pedigree but signed with the wrong team, and they did not promote him well. I'm not saying that he didn't have the talent, because he did, but he definitely suffered due to lack of promotion. And when he finally won his case and separated himself from his promotional team, he was already, you know, uh, whatever. He fought a couple of fights under Kovalev, and that was it, against Kovalev. Um, So uh, anyway, he says, uh, uh, I think this is a real step up for Bivol. It's the most int- interesting fight of the night in my eyes, and I agree with uh, my man Jeffrey. He says, uh, I might suggest that this is a step too high, but when I watch Bivol, he does not seem to be a strictly power puncher. His victories have definitely come from power, but he looks to control the ring and has so far shown a Triple G-like ability to cut off the ring. This fight, I believe, will provide a good gauge on two questions. One, how good is his chin? Because uh, he is going to get hit in this one. And two, how good is his stamina? He says, I don't believe he lacks stamina, but I'm excited to see it. Uh, Lastly, I'm interested in watching Alexander progress and witness his skill set up close. He's no kid, so he'll have to progress quickly. Uh, P.S. I don't think Ortiz will lay down for Wilder. This is the test Wilder has needed. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed uh, your time off. It's great to have you back. Um, Thanks for the email. Uh, You know, uh, Alexander... uh, they are going to move him up uh, quickly because of uh, his <clears throat> lack of time in the ring and maybe uh, uh, his time uh, off, like we used to call it, off in school. But uh, uh, we'll see about that. The, I agree with Jeffrey Sal that uh, this uh, Bivol against Sullivan Barrera is the biggest test for Bivol, and I'm looking forward to it. And just keep in mind, the only guy uh, that really uh, manhandled uh, Sullivan Barrera was Andre Ward. Uh, what was your thoughts on this email? I think it was a very good e- email, and uh, I understood it and thought that uh, he was pretty much right on. Very good email. Yeah, I, and, you know, he made some interesting points about Kovalev. Made some interesting points you know, about you know, Kovalev, Ko- yes. Kovalev, Kovalev um, is an intriguing fighter. You know, his persona was viciousness. I come, I, cr- I crush you. I am called the crusher. I, I am uh, Andre, I mean, uh, Sergey Crusher Kovalev. You know, and then he fights uh, Andre Ward. And uh, oh, he was hitting me below the belt. Oh, he's looking at the referee for help. You know, you can't do it. Hey, listen. No. You know it's not It's not part of the rule, Sal. But somebody hits you south to the border, what do you do? <laughs> you, you, uh, you, you, you hit him back. <laughs> I know. You hit him back whereabouts. Whereabouts, a little bit south of the border. Exactly. Might, might get even. Exactly. And, and, <laughs> to and, teach him a lesson and keep him off. Well, and you know what? Hey, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, and, and what I was going to say is, you know, yeah, it's illegal. Yeah, you it's run the risk illegal. of yeah, you. Yeah, probably lose a point. I was just going to say, I would, the words were just coming out of my mouth. I say you would risk, run the risk of losing the point yourself, right? But is it worth losing a point and getting your message across to your opponent? Don't do that. Because if you do that, I'm going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. the and that's the case. Same thing, you know. Kovalev, you you should never listen. The late great uh, Sam Lankford once said, "I bring my own judges with me." 
And they people looked at him like he, he says, and he holds up his left and his right. He goes, I don't like it to go in the judge's hands. I keep them in my own. And although, you know, he said that 100 years ago, the truth of the matter is, it's true, Sal. You know, if these fighters don't want to complain, I don't want to make an excuse, but, you know, but, they don't want to complain about uh, whatever. They don't want to complain about the judge uh, that, that scored it the, the wrong way. They don't want to complain about, that if, if they don't want to complain about the referee uh, not letting them fight the fight or whatever, it's a simple solution. Go in and knock the guy out. Don't put it's it all, in the referee all. or judge's hands. Am I right? Well, you're 100% right. And, and, you know, that's why you and I have lost so much respect for Kovalev when he uh, faced Andre Ward because he was talking a lot of smack. And uh, he went in that ring, and Andre Ward just totally dismantled him and bullied him in a, in a kind of frame, in a kind of way that I would – have thought that Kovalev was going to go in that ring and do the same. That's what he needed to, to be a badass, to bully uh, um, Andre Ward and everything else. But we didn't see it. And once he got shot, he got hit in the belly. Boy, that was it. He was looking for the referee. Hey, he didn't, I didn't see anything saying, hey, uh, <laughs> let me continue. Let me catch my wind. Uh, he was looking for the place to be counted out. You're right. And, and, you know, the other part about that is remember, Andre Ward, was not a knockout artist. He wasn't, although I predicted a knockout over uh, Dawson. And, and I remember when I met uh, Andre Ward, I, w I was in Vegas, and uh, he was heading up to uh, an interview on ESPN. And I was coming down the same way, and we passed each other, and I stopped him and introduced myself and was talking with him. I said, hey, by the way, I was the only one that predicted a knockout. And he was like, you know, hey, that's cool, whatever. But um, he predicted that he was going to knock out Kovalev. I laughed at that prediction. I thought that, that he, he was, you know, maybe uh, hanging out with Deontay, smoking some weed or something. I, I, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I said, okay, you know, maybe you're going to win, but I don't know if you're going to knock Kovalev out. And what does he do, Sal? <laughs> what does he do? He knocks him out. He knocked he him out. He knocked him out. You know, I mean, uh, the fight was stopped. He knocked him out. He did what he had to do, you know. but did what uh, he had to do, and I'll tell you what. And that's what, you know, Kovalev even suggested that's what he was going to do to uh, uh, a lot of fighters. And that's what he was going to do to Andre Ward, but he didn't do it. Nah, you know, and that's that that just that's my thing with Deontay Wilder. You know, when you talk smack and you don't back it up, you become David Hay. David Hay talked smack for years and years uh, with the Klitschko situation. When he got his chance, didn't back it up. And I will never, ever, ever respect David Hay. Uh, because of it. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Alex Perpali is going to be joining us and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the fights for this weekend. Then I got some more emails. I got some news. Busy, busy, busy. Don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back. 
to Billy Z Interact with the show at BillyZBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, joining Sal and myself right now, right now, is a guy you usually see on Wednesdays doing the blast from the past. The one, the only, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. He's up early on yeah. a Thursday. How crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. If he wasn't packed ready to go to Chicago, he wouldn't probably be <laughs> He's up. packed and ready to go. He's going out there. Oh, uh, yeah. I, 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 you I'd remember like last to... time we were out there, Bill? Oh, yeah. But, uh, but, but, but he gets to go hang out with his brother, and, I, and I'd be eating. See, you would like, you would like hanging out with, with you know, me, Alex, and his brother. You know, There's no oh, question about that. I would. Yeah. We're all three Italians. They're called three amigos. There's four of them. Take your socks and four. shoes off. You, you, there'd be four of us. You know, but, my, uh, my brother, actually, he already texted me and my mom, and he told us that he's making pasta tonight for dinner. Um, there you go. There you go. <laughs> You know, but uh, he said we're going to eat enough. We're going to eat out enough this weekend for the party. How about if I make pasta tomorrow night? And he said, "Okay, go ahead." <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I uh, yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, I went and visited a, a, a real close uh, friend, and she, uh, his mom has always been my whole life uh, been making me like I get my cut of Sunday meal, right? So I went and and saw him twice in the last you know week. And both times, oh, I made meatballs for you, you know. And I, and I, you know, I love that. There's only two meatballs that I like: the one she makes, and the one uh, that gets made here at my house. And uh, so last night, I, uh, uh, I, I walk in the door, and uh, what are we having for dinner? You know what? I was in the mood for meatballs. I'm like, oh, meatballs. I didn't want to give up that I've been eating meatballs for the last week, you know. But, uh, but anyway, uh, enough about meatballs. Speaking of meatballs, <laughs> Alex. What's your speaking thoughts? Of meatballs, let me no, get, let me no get I don't mean there. you. I meant speaking of meatballs, the uh, Deontay Wilder Luis Ortiz fight is taking place on Saturday, and there's been a lot of uh, talk, uh, especially coming out of mine and Sal's mouth. But uh, at the end of the day, it's a good fight, um, in my opinion. If Ortiz really does come to fight, it's going to be a big test for Deontay. It's something that I felt he should have done uh, ten fights ago. How do you see this fight? going and what's your prediction you know um i think it is it is a good matchup it's one of the better ones we could have in the heavyweight division because one of the things that i think everybody wants is a unified heavyweight champion and uh this would cons uh, be along the way to consolidating all the championships so for that alone it's great it's also you know of the top guys at uh, the unlimited class you know this is one of the three names and in terms of uh just plain pedigree and time in the ring he by far has the most granted most of it was uh from uh his amateur days in 2015 bill i think we've talked about this before uh, when he beat Bryant Jennings, I thought, wow, this is going to be the, uh, the champion. He's going to, if there's a tournament, he'll be the one to emerge. He has not turned out to be that same guy. I think maybe that was as good as it gets for him uh, as a pro. Uh, he's certainly on the downslide. His uh, reflexes seem blunted. All that said, Deontay Wilder is still green. If anything, he regressed. Um, since he won uh, the first fight with Stavern. 
Um, he's so sloppy. He, if Ali was alive today, he'd be calling him a washerwoman the way he fights. Um, so Wilder is ripe to be beaten, I think. Uh, and I do think that uh, as much fun as he is, you know, a heavyweight who hits like him is, can't help but be fun. I, I favor Joshua pretty heavily to beat him uh, when they do face each other. I don't think he's going to have much problem with Ortiz because I think Wilder still has the quicker reflexes being the younger man. Uh, this fight would have been better a few years ago. Uh, I look for Wilder to come in sharper because he knows he's got more in front of him than we've seen him in a while. Because uh, remember, that happened. He's got a good trainer with Breland, he, and he's really buckled down and looked great and fought a great game plan in the first Stavern fight. Since then, he's fighting sort of more naturalistic um, because the opposition hasn't been, you know, the greatest. Uh, fighters always do sort of train. They don't tell you that they will, but um, they do. They know who they're training for. And uh, so that's why I do look for Ortiz to come in better than he's looked lately. But unfortunately, I think, I think like Wilder said, um, bad things happen to King Kong when he comes to New York City. <laughs> Alex, I want to ask you a couple of questions, um, uh, you know, following up what you said. Um, for, first of all, I, I agree with you 100% about the Brian Jennings fight. I, I was ringside for that fight, and I thought oh, that— so good. Oh, it, 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 to me, I felt the same way. And, and, and by the way, so people know, I, I called two of Luis Ortiz's fights— uh, since he came to the States, and one of them was with you. You and I saw him uh, fight in... Uh, in uh, yeah, in that baseball field. Yeah, yeah, in, in Florida. Wow. And, um, you know, we, we saw him, and, and he was clearly the A-side. He came out. He, remember, we were noticing, well, he's got all the new equipment. He had the new the new shorts, the new, yeah. new truck, the new uh, shoes, and his opponent looked like he had to borrow him from the, the bus stop, you know. But, but, but you know, he seemed... To fight to the level of competition then, and I think that when you look back and look at the resume and look at the names on the resume, and none really jump out at you except for Bryant Jennings. And what does he do? He fights Bryant Jennings, the best that we've ever seen him. And like you said, uh, never to to fight at that level uh, again. And granted, Bryant Jennings is half the size. Of Deontay Wilder but with all that said you have to admit that from a technically sound point he possesses the technically sound boxing ability over Deontay and watching yeah. a lot of Deontay's fights on tape uh, recently I see a lot of mistakes that this guy makes in in his um, you know in his technique I mean his his footwork is horrific they're never in the same place. He after he lunges and tries to blow out a, a fighter because he does have a powerful uh, punch. There's no question about it. But to me, that's it. And a lot of times, you'll see him deliver that punch. It'll be off base a little bit. Doesn't land flush or misses. And where he ends up landing, a good, talented boxer like Luis Ortiz is going to have the ability to counterpunch him and hurt him. Um, the question is, is do you think that the age uh, is going to be the main factor or do you think that Ortiz will, um, you know, uh, fight at that Bryant Jennings level because he knows 
that he has to be at his best to overcome this punching power of Deontay Wilder. Uh, yeah, I think I think he, you are going to see him looking better than he's looked. Um, and I think that may, hopefully he will uh, have some rounds. But I do think that you're right. I think, uh, yeah, I think age is the thing that's probably going to be um, uh, more of a factor. And I think the other thing, too, is when you're his age uh, – he, he had to prepare for that first training camp. The fight gets canceled because of the the, uh, the urine test. I mean, the uh, PEDs, masking agents test. Um, then you have to start training again and prepare again. Um, that's a lot of wear and tear on an older body. Um, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, youth, the youth and reflexes definitely is on Wilder's side. But Ortiz, yeah, he's forgotten um, probably more in the about the ring than uh, Wilder has known because, yeah, he was the Cuban amateur. But I think that's just it, is that um, that's far in the distance. And um, especially heavyweights, they um, when they get old, they get old. Sal, this is a great segue for old fighters because I want to ask you, you know, um, you, uh, you, 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 uh, you know, you can make this opinion. Give me a, your opinion from from your own self, you know, experience. And obviously, you're older than uh, I. I, I <laughs> I hope you're older than Ortiz, because if Ortiz is the same age as us, man, we're in trouble. But um, you know what it took, and you knew what the toll your body went through when you started uh, training to come back for for your uh, uh, for that comeback fight that uh, was the Guinness Book uh, of Return Record, blah blah blah. Um, and, and you know, even you know, you had setbacks with with the body not responding to to what you wanted. There does it come a time when you, as the fighter, in in your mind, realizing that your body's not able to keep up with your mind, and you figure, listen, I'm just going to go with what I got now, or do you have the ability to physically fine tune the older body uh, to a point where you're comfortable? I, I mean, is, is there a happy medium? I mean, if, if the age is the biggest enemy of Luis Ortiz. Does he have any shot at overcoming that in terms of training or, or dedication or anything? I mean, what's what's he up against? Well, he's up against, as we, we suggest, uh, you know, father time. And, and, you know, when I made that comeback and I trained, I looked at my old – I did things differently when I was training and fighting in my first first time when I was, when I was in my prime. I wrote down in my journals the intervals I ran, the miles I ran, the recovery runs, the sprints, things like that. And I tried to adhere as closely as I could. And I was doing intervals. I was running. I was doing sprints. I was doing my, my miles. I was back under a six-minute mile. It took a while, but I was able to get my body and my mindset. And don't, don't forget, Billy, I wanted this more than anything at the time. And I knew. And to me, age was really just a number. I really fooled myself into believing that I was able to get myself back into peak condition better than ever. And you know, and I sparred every day. I sparred, I did the bag. I was in as great of a condition as I felt 
that I can go 10 rounds again. And if you, Alex, I mentioned that fight earlier. Go look at that fight on my on, on YouTube or whatever. I'm punching bell to bell. Any 10-round fight I'm in, I'm punching bell to bell till it was over or the end of the fight. And my conditioning was never, never an issue. Uh, the, the reflexes, everything else, in the fighter's mind, you're still there. You still got it. You're still this and that. I think what Ortiz has got to understand, though, is the fact that what I came up against when I injured my shoulder and I completely ripped my rotator cuff in half is that the connective tissues, the joints, the ligaments, the tendons, they don't keep up with the tensile strength of the muscle tissue. So now you have, as you get older, an imbalance. And I'm not a doctor, even though I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express <laughs> last night. <laughs> That's my uh, you, that's my line that he keeps stealing. Know, he's the Mil is, he's the Milton right. Berle of 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 the talking so, boxing with Billy C show. <laughs> Nobody knows who Milton Berle is except for us, anyway. Sal, but hey, uh, you want to break out my belt thing? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, listen. So, I really what I noticed when I was coming back that there was a direct imbalance between my muscle tissue still remaining strong, and I was using a Bowflex every other day and everything else. Another plug for connect? nothing, Alex. You noticed that? I don't know. He must have you. side advertising deals or something. Robot. It says Mickey's Meat Market. Anyway, but I noticed the connective tissue. You know, if I was doing sprints, I had to be careful of uh, a hamstring. Or if I did this, the connective tissue, like my shoulder tore. Uh, is not as strong as the muscle tissue, or it lessens its its flexibility as you age. So, but the bottom line is, what I think the older fighters have to do is just turn the clock back, believe <coughs> they can do it, and be the best they can for there, and know there's going to be trade offs, and that's where it comes into fact using your experience, what you know, your learned behavior in the ring. You know, can you punch bill to bill? Can you move as as as, as agile? Are you, are you going to be defensive a little more? Are you going to get that jab? Are you going to be sneaky? Are you going to be countering? You know, you got to assess where you are in your comeback or at your age and accentuate what you could do positively and negate what you're not doing as well and just make the make the make the counters, make the changes, make the adaptations and you could do that successfully. So if Ortiz is is smart enough to figure all that out, you know, why not? He could do this, and he could fight. And uh, like I said, and if it wasn't for my torn shoulder, Billy, like you said and John said, I, I would have had a five-contract fight deal. I would have kept fighting. And, you know, I, I believe the man upstairs has a funny way of doing things. And when I won that fight and I saw my two kids and my father ringside with their smiles, maybe that's a memory I never wanted to uh, erase from their mind. But the bottom line is, what happens is when I had a torn rotator cuff, I said, well, I get surgery, and it's going to take about a year to rehab and get back in the ring, and then I'm not guaranteed if my other shoulder is going to blow or going to go or something else. I've got to train and get my body back. To, and that's another thing. When I was first fighting, you know, your body becomes hardened like a shell, like a rock, and nothing could penetrate. And, you know, it took a while to get that back again, to get that invincibility, that, that shell hardened again. So those are the things that you got to trade off and you got to look at. And the bottom line is why I didn't get that. Sh to this day, I still didn't get the shoulder fixed because 
Dr. Morales, who's my doctor, who's in my corner at night, he says, Sal, when are you going to let me operate? When are you going to let me operate? I said, Doc, you know why I didn't let you operate? I haven't let you operate in four years? Because I know me. I'm a gabarito. I'm a hard-head Italian. If you fix my shoulder, I'm going to I'm going to make a comeback. I'm going back in the ring. No, you're not. And, no, you're not. You we're we're, we're and, not and letting you. I know you. maybe at 58 years old, did I just say that? That maybe <laughs> soon to maybe, be 59. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, Paulie. <laughs> that maybe it's not the best thing for a 58 year old to really aspire to do. Soon to be 59. Get back in, the, in the young man's game. 58. Well, I think 50. that's that's one of the things I think that Sal brings up a really good point is that um, even though. Uh, age is not on his side and you and um, reflexes and all those things uh, wisdom and just ring savvy and uh, knowing the ins and outs of the game and be able to watch an opponent um, and I think sort of what coach is saying in the chat room too uh, Ortiz can turn this into a fight if he boxes him he can't because he doesn't have the athleticism and the youth to do that, uh, to box at a distance, try to outbox a guy like Wilder, who's got that long jab, quick jab that we saw in the farce against, uh, in the rematch with Stavern. But I do think that, um, like Sal said, an, an old crafty guy can maybe lure Wilder into a brawl and make it into a fight and slug, make it slug with him and catch Wilder. Wilder has not been really in a fight. Um, so I do think that uh, there is a chance, but I think like Sal is saying also, the, the big difference that seemed at least from the outside looking at Ortiz, Ortiz does not have that motivation that Sal has uh, no. to have gone on. Uh, Sal, when he got back in the ring, wanted to keep doing it, loved it. Ortiz, you don't see that anymore. You don't really. You saw the Malik Scott fight. Dear God, that was dreadful. Yeah. Um, this is a job to him. Uh, it could be that you know when you look at on paper of the two uh, big uh, pay pay, pay uh, channel cards this weekend, they're both from New York. I, I think um, the Showtime one is more of um, like Coach has said again. I'm quoting Coach a lot today. Uh, it's more of a wrestling show uh, because the Ortiz fight, it looks good on paper, but Ortiz might not be too motivated either. So he might get whacked out early. Well, um, I, I hope he doesn't. I don't. And then the other fight is that rematch that we, nobody really wants to see. Meanwhile, HBO across town has a more interesting um, uh, match, even though the, well, at least the undercard is. The main event, Sergey Kovalev, is probably going to just. Um, you know, notch another victory. You know, the thing is, though, and I, I do think that that um, Ortiz is motivated. I, you know, he's got, he, there's too much on the line for him. I mean, yeah, he could ride off into the sunset and get his million-dollar payday, whatever. He's going to walk away with some side money, whatever. But like we've talked about all week, you know, if he wins this fight, it's actually better for the sport because number one, he's going to get a huge payday against the winner yeah. of uh, of of AJ and and Parker. And by the way, Deontay's career is not going to go down the toilet. It's not like we're never going to see Deontay again. He gets to fight the loser of the uh, uh, Parker AJ fight. So so and, and then he'll get another shot. So I mean, realistically, 
the fight, the best thing for the sport and financially for both fighters, I think, would be for Ortiz to win. If Deontay wins this fight, we're never going to see or hear from Ortiz again, ever. And you don't keep, know that. He could be fighting the winner of the Joshua. Uh, um, there'll be no uh, demand fight. because everyone's going to say. Good, yeah, but, but if, if he does, if he gets blown out, yeah, but it's over. It, 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 listen, make no mistake. Mark my words. If he looks good, he's going to win the fight. He's going to win the fight. If 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 Ortiz is anything like Brian Jennings' fight, if he's anything like that, and oh by the way, I've seen some photos of him. He looks like he's in fantastic shape, and it also looks like he's been working out for a while. You know, and and don't think that he's got to try to uh, you know. I say the way he needs to win is to get inside and test the body of Deontay. Nobody's done that. Deontay Wilder doesn't have the technical skill to, to, to keep him at bay. Yeah, he keeps guys at bay that he's got that height and reach advantage over. He does happen to have a height advantage over Deontay, but guess what? The reach is in Ortiz's favor. Ortiz has a one-inch reach advantage, and because of his counterpunching ability that Deontay does not have, if, and that's a big if, if Ortiz is in shape and here to fight, Deontay's in trouble. That's what I think. If he's here for a payday and he's here to find a soft spot to lay down on, this fight's going to be over, like you suggest, Alex, quickly. And, you know, everybody's going to say, ah, that's, uh, 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 they're not going to. And, and in a way, Deontay Wilder doesn't get the recognition he's looking for. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a win-win situation for Ortiz. If he wins the fight, He's going to have more money than he ever knew what to do with. If he loses the fight, he's still going to have more money than he ever knew what to do with, and he gets to walk away. You know, so I, I don't know. It's 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 tough. Um, but what's your official prediction, Alex? Before we let you go. Well, I certainly hope for the sake of the sport that um, that you're absolutely right, that Ortiz comes in in great shape and is very highly motivated um, because that would be awesome, even if it just ends up in an, an, uh, a, a, a you know, a distance fight that's close and competitive, uh, that's great for the heavyweight division. Um, but I have a feeling that um, uh, it's going to be wilder, wilder by KO, maybe six or seven rounds. Um, and I do think that um, Ortiz might have his, nah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't see him. Um, I, I'm rooting for him, but I just have a feeling that, uh, it's going to be a lot like going up the Empire State Building. And, uh, you know, Swat. Wilder's got uh, these two great big airplanes. Alex. Wilder's going to be coming like an airplane at him with those right hands and left hooks. I'll tell you. I like what you're saying there, Alex. And I concur with you. I think Wilder's going to stop him by the sixth round. Well, my official prediction will come tomorrow. Alex, give my best to uh, the fam out in Chicago. And uh, don't let him don't, and and don't ever come back here and tell me that he likes uh, uh, the the big uh, what do they call it uh, the thick pizza what do they call that uh, uh, it will deep never, dish never yeah yeah don't if, if he ever says that he's dead to me that's it you know yeah, deep dish. it'll never happen I promise it's uh, yeah it's a whole different animal I don't know it why is, they call I, it pizza. I make some yeah. deep dishes when we have a request but uh, you know it gets a lot of good feedback Bill and Alex uh, when I introduce a Sicilian pie. Well, Sicilian, is, Sicilian's got to be done right. If if it, too right, right too what, thick. When we, when we proof that that the, the crust, the shell, and it's at least an inch and a half, two inches thick, and and uh, I mean it's a process. I love making a good Sicilian pie, 
And uh, we, I tell you what, we do the best. It's great. I haven't had as people I love ha- it. I haven't had a good Sicilian slice of pizza in a really long time. Next time yeah, you come, yeah, up, yeah, yeah. I'll have that right a, right I'll after the breakfast, like breakfast pizza. pizza. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get my Sicilian yeah. pizza. Broken promises. That's all I get oh, from Sal. Broken hey. promises. Alex, have a safe trip. We'll look forward to you next week, my man. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's uh, my man uh, Alex Papali, and uh, yeah, broken promises from you, Senecola. That's all. That's all I know. You know, I was expecting to get uh, uh, breakfast pizza. I was expecting. What? What about the the hotel room full of women? I didn't get none of that. I didn't get none of that. I was lucky to get a hotel. Actually, you had field, didn't you? I was lucky to get a hotel room. You know, but uh, but anyway. Hey, listen. Uh, for all the affiliates. Uh, we're not going to take a break again. I apologize. We just have to get through these emails, and I'm going to start right now. This one's from my man Morgan. He says, uh, uh, hey, Billy C., I'm excited about seeing the Crusher uh, back in action this weekend. It bugs me how you, meaning me, refer to Kovalev as a quitter. Uh, Kovalev was hit low several times, and he was looking for the referee to at least warn Ward. Instead, the ref prematurely called an end to a competitive fight. I'm not saying Kovalev wasn't hurt because he clearly was. He is still the best light heavyweight in the world. His only loss to Ward, and uh, he he only lost to Ward in the rematch, and most felt he won the first fight. He didn't go back to the corner and quit. Durant is a quitter, not Kovalev. Um, before I go on, uh, I believe he did quit. Uh, Kovalev did quit. Uh, in in that fight, um, was looking for help uh, from the uh, referee, and, and he quit. And and you know, Morgan, don't get me wrong, I, I was a huge Kovalev fan. Nobody wanted to see him beat Andre Ward more than me. As a matter of fact, sure. I agree with you that he won the first fight, and he, he talked a lot fight. of smack for the second fight, and didn't back any of it up. Don't you boys and girls see the the, the pattern here? If a fighter talks smack. I have no problem with it as long as he backs it up or at least tries to back it up. If you're going to go in the ring and say, I'm going to knock this guy's head off and you try and fail, at least you tried. If you say, I'm going to knock this guy's head off and you run from him all round uh, for 12 rounds, I don't like it. Um, As far as Duran, Duran, you know, you want to call the Nomas fight quitting. He did. He turned his back and he quit. And in my opinion, there's no excuse for that. Even though in MMA and UFC, they're allowed to quit anytime they want. Nobody will ever say crap about that uh, because they are allowed to tap out. But in all, the only defense I've ever said about Roberto Duran in the Nomas fight is that he was frustrated because he wanted to fight in what he thought at that time was let's be men, let's fight, you know, let's go toe to toe and the best man will win. He didn't want to accept the boxing ability, the punch, stick, and move, and move some more uh, game plan that Sugar Ray uh, employed for him. Uh, But you're right. There's no uh, excuse for that. But uh, now it goes on to uh, Mr. Morgan uh, berating my man Duran. He says, Duran is overrated. He lost to DeJesus. All Duran fans say he was unbeatable at his natural weight but he lost to DeJesus at lightweight. He got outboxed by Benitez. Duran fans say when Duran was motivated, he could have beat anybody. Uh, He had to be motivated for Benitez. If Benitez can uh, outbox him, your favorite fighter, Mayweather, would have made him quit. Robbie Sims beat him. Sims was far from a great fighter. 
A relatively young Duran was upset by an unknown in Kirkland Lang. Someone explained how a great fighter loses to an unknown. Then he loses to uh, another unknown in Pat Lawler. This loss was only two years after one of his best wins uh, against the tough but limited Iran Barkley. I give Duran credit for getting under Sugar Ray's skin enough to beat that Ray tried to kill him. Uh, Ray proved in a rematch that when he fights smartly, he's the much better fighter by making Duran quit. Uh, can you do a blast from the pass on my favorite fighter and someone who beat Duran twice, Vinny Paz? There was no quit and pass. Um, I agree with you, no quit and pass. And yes, I will add Vinny Pazienza to the list. But let me just straighten you out here. Um, you know, Roberto Duran's fame at lightweight uh, was 10 years prior to the Sugar Ray Leonard fights. I mean, he was that old by the time he fought Sugar Ray Leonard. In 1972, he lost that 10-round decision uh, to De Jesus. Uh, they fought three times. This was the first fight. He lost a 10-round decision. He was the lightweight champion of the world at that time, but this was not a title fight. Uh, this was his first loss, by the way. He was 31-0 when he stepped into the ring against De Jesus. And by the way, De Jesus is a Hall of Famer. This wasn't some slug that they found uh, selling shoes at the, on the corner. I mean, De Jesus was a quality fighter. Um, it was the first loss of his career. He fought him two more times, both in 1974 and in 1978. Both had the world title on the line, and both times he knocked out De Jesus. So to use De Jesus as an excuse uh, is, uh, uh, is really not that, uh, not that substantial. And as far as the Barkley fight, you're talking about, oh, he's still a young guy when he fought. When he fought Barkley, he was 40 years old. When he fought Vinny Pazienza, he was 43 years old. And he continued fighting for several years after that. Nah, I can't discredit uh, Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran, and I was never a huge fan of Roberto Duran. I, I liked Sugar Ray Leonard uh, at the time. But I've learned to really appreciate Duran, especially when I went back and watched his early fights at lightweight. Um, you know, I, you can't compare Kovalev and, and Duran, but uh, thanks for the email. And by the way, Mayweather would have never even had the balls to step in the ring with Duran. That's the difference between Floyd Mayweather and fighters of yesteryear. Floyd Mayweather doesn't have the balls. He's a punk. That's why he beats up women and pimply face security guards. What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, if you if you're talking about what I would have thought about uh, Durant, Roberto Duran, yeah. and, and and Floyd, I, you know, I love Duran. I think Duran as a lightweight, not not the second coming of his career as a welterweight, but like I said, and he skipped. You know, I always thought he 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 could have stopped off and 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 picked up a junior welterweight title too. I think who was the champion at the time was maybe Antonio Cervantes. That's an old name, but. Uh, uh, Duran went from lightweight to welterweight, and uh, but as a lightweight, I could debate and go with anybody that Roberto Duran may have been one of the greatest 135-pound lightweight champions ever to go into the ring. I agree. I mean, you're looking at a fighter in his prime, in his peak as a lightweight. The guy could box, he could move, he can counter. He was he and, and he, you know what? He had what good champions. He had that nastiness. He had that streak. He wanted to kill you in a ring. And as it was that fire, that fervor, those angry eyes. He he had it all. And Duran was relentless. He was relentless. And he uh, wasn't happy until he 
he was winning that fight or won by a knockout. I think as a lightweight, one of the greatest lightweights ever to step in a ring was Roberto Duran. Now there's been a lot of great lightweights. I'd love to do the little magic boxing machine and see how he would do against Henry Armstrong in that era. But, uh, you know, as a lightweight, I'll always say Roberto Duran was one of the greatest. And guess what? When he was a welterweight, he still had the ability and skill in his later years to sustain and, and, and do a level of victories that made him a legend. He was good. He was that good. And when when uh, Sugar Ray Leonard uh, proved proved Duran wrong in his second fight, uh, you know, hey, hats off. Look who Sugar Ray Leonard is. He's a Hall of Famer. Sugar Ray Leonard is one of the greatest welterweights that, that ever stepped in the ring as well. And when I say greatest, I definitely put him in the top five before I ever will against uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather. No doubt. No doubt. Got another email. I, I'm trying to get the, all I, these emails done yeah. here in a couple minutes. Luke, uh, Thunder Luke Breslin. Uh, he says, hey, hey, guys, hope you're doing well. And not to be a suck-up, but it was it's great to have you back. He says, now that I uh, have to, now I have to apologize, but I really need to get this off of my chest. A part of me really thinks Deontay Wilder doesn't deserve a big money fight with AJ. I'm absolutely sick to death of this garbage spouting out of his mouth. His trash-talking style that a lot of fighters feel they need to do now just to get their fights sold. Regardless of what would happen in a fight with AJ, Deontay would become a multimillionaire overnight. My concern is, Bill... You said the other day, who's listening to him? Well, worryingly, it seems to be a large number of people seem to listen to Deontay Wilder, and I'm worried that the next generation of up-and-coming fighters and fans think this is the norm and how to get the rewards they desire. Um, let me just uh, uh, comment right here. This wasn't Deontay that came up with this. I mean, uh, fighters have been trying to emulate what Muhammad Ali did successfully uh, you know, back in the, the 60s and 70s. Um, the difference is, is that they just spew, and I've said this many times on the show, you know, you hear this, this trash talk, is it really going to make you go buy a ticket when these fighters don't back it up? Deontay, the difference with Deontay's trash talk is that he honestly believes it, and he does try to take his opponent's head off. You know, I, I, where, where, he goes, where he crosses the line, in my opinion, is when he starts saying how great he is. All you got to do is look at what I've accomplished, blah, blah, blah. And that's when the reality kind of slips away, in my opinion, because truthfully, he hasn't done much um, uh, as proven by his resume. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, um, regardless... Uh, uh, he says his fight is, is being shown over here in the UK on Sky, and they've been airing interviews with him, and it's absolutely disgraceful, the stuff that he comes out with. I would even say it's bordering on liberal and slander, the garbage he spouts. Uh, we all know he's been offered several fights in the past that he's ducked, and a big money fight with AJ, and yet in all of his interviews he keeps saying people are ducking me. Anthony's ducking me. I don't want to hear nothing about mandatories. I'm the man that you should be facing, blah, blah, blah. So he's just uh, t talking, lying. Isn't that what it is? Listen, I've said this many, many times. You know, a fighter says, oh, I want to fight Sal, and Sal wants to fight me. So I say, I want, I want to fight Sal. And my people call Sal, and they go, hey, uh, Billy C wants to fight you. We'll give you 100 bucks to fight him. And Sal says, 100 bucks. I want 100000 and they don't make the fight. So you know what I say? Sal's ducking me. That's not the truth. Sal wants a fight. He just didn't want to get lowballed. You know, if, if it's about the money, say it's about the money. 
Um, Deontay did say it was about the money, but he came back with an unrealistic uh, demand for a split, which, uh, you know, is, uh, is there. He says, but what really gets me is the way that he talks about the history of boxing and as he sees it. I've said before that I'm only 31, but I'm a massive fan of the history of the sport. I would like to remind everyone when Larry Holmes famously, uh, before his fight with Michael Spinks, Spinks when he was about to uh, tie Marciano's record, he said Rocky Marciano couldn't uh, carry my jockstrap, and he was ripped to pieces by the press and the fans. However, this idiot says that no one has achieved what he's achieved in the ring. Uh he proceeds to say he would have knocked Tyson out. Uh, and then he even started to target Lennox Lewis. I mean, who the hell is advising this guy? Who's watching out for his career? But the same can be said for Tyson Fury. This is a man who hasn't boxed over two years, and yet people keep discussing him in the same conversation of Anthony Joshua and other high-profile fighters. I want to remind people that he's an inactive fighter who's repeatedly keeps saying that he's been ducked and yet nowhere close to being ready to get in the ring. We as fans need to stamp this out. We need to turn our back on these idiot fighters and show them that this kind of, this kind of crap talk has no place in the sport. In a week where we've had high-profile sad passing of a warrior in the ring here in the UK, boxing is yet again under the scrutiny and the microscope of the public, and I am yet again being told that it's a thug's game. We need gentlemen in this sport. We need real men who do the talking in the ring with their fists, not outside chatting foolishness. Uh, I would also like to point out, much to your annoyance, I'm sure, Bill, that I'm also a pro wrestling fan, but I wouldn't even belittle the art of professional wrestling by comparing that to what Deontay's doing. I apologize if this has been a heavy letter, but I freely admit it's not just Deontay that does it, but needs to stop, and it needs to stop now. Hey, I got nothing against WWE, uh, but uh, I just don't think boxing should be it. I, listen, I'm not disagreeing with this email at all, Sal. I mean, uh, I agree. Yeah. I, I think fighters need to let their fists do the talking, and, and that's the end of that. What do you think? That's exactly what you and I say, you know. I don't mind them talking at all when they let their fists back it up, and uh, and that's that's what they should show. Even if they have their, their, their character or their emotions or, or this and that in the, in the fight, the way they are professing that their heart and soul is going to be winning or doing this, doing that. I want to see it from them. And, uh, you know, when they go in and they want to run or they want to slip and they want to move and move and, uh, and then, uh, not, not, uh, face the, uh, the fire, then, then, you know, you got to look at, uh, exactly those empty words. Exactly. But no, yeah, I agree. Um, we got uh, a couple of more here. I want to try and uh, uh, okay. get. So uh, let's uh, let's see. This next one here is uh, from Jesse. He says, "Hey Billy, what's your thoughts on some of the quotes made by Triple G and Canelo? Uh, I heard that Canelo's trainer said boxing is hit and not get hit. I understand that, but it doesn't mean move away from uh, the fight at a consistent time, like you say, hit, but stay in position not to get hit." Uh, I just feel his team is not training him correctly. He should be a lot better than this. Listen, uh, Team Canelo is is blatantly trying to copy Floyd Mayweather in every s s uh, stretch of the imagination, business sense, and fighting ability. The difference between Floyd Mayweather and Canelo is Floyd Mayweather could effectively hit you while he's running. Uh, Canelo cannot, so he'll never be effective at that game. He will be a pure runner. Um, the definition of the sweet science is hit and not get hit. How, but the rest of that statement is but be in position to inflict damage on your opponent. That's the sweet science. You want to hit your opponent, not get hit by your opponent, but hit your opponent again. 
landing a punch and dancing off to the other side of the ring is not the sweet science. I'm sorry. It's not. And anybody that believed Floyd Mayweather when he told everybody that it is, is an idiot. Uh, he says, uh, what's your thoughts on Brock Jarvis? Is he too young to have a read on him? Absolutely not. This is a five foot seven. 20-year-old super flyweight. He's already ranked in the top 100 at number 85 in the super flyweight division. He's from Australia. He's 12-0 and with 11 knockouts. His only non-knockout victory was his pro debut in which it was a six-round fight. This guy has fought good opposition, and he's definitely a good opposition since he turned pro. He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on for sure. Um, uh, Jesse says, uh, I agree, heavyweight division is too depleted, not enough talent. I mean, they are big, but horrible habits and skills. We have a lot of young, quality heavyweights that are not getting the opportunity to get better because of the business side. We can't blame the athletes. Sal, we've said this a million times. The athletes of today are better. Listen, it doesn't, we said this, I think you and I were talking about this yesterday after the show. Listen, nobody loves the history of the sport more than me. I love the fighters from yesteryear. Jack Dempsey's, the Rocky Marcianos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, uh, Jack Johnson, one of my favorites. Um, you know, on and on. But let's be real. You put Rocky Marciano in the ring with an Anthony Joshua or a Lennox Lewis, uh, he's just physically not big enough. Yeah, he could power him and knock him out, but what's the odds? You know, we're just bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, It's hard to really believe anything else. Um, Anyway, he says, oh, and my point here is that the division does have talents. We have some young fighters that should be given a chance. Sure. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think so across the board. Unfortunately, if they're not promoted correctly or don't have the right opportunities, we'll never hear from many of these guys. They'll only uh, be a be a speck on the radar. Um, the last part of the email uh, from Jesse says, uh, Spence versus Ocampo is a joke. I can't believe they can't find someone better than him, but I guess he has to take his mandatories. And that's what we were talking about yesterday. The yes. mandatories, the sanctioning bodies, they're the ones that really ruin this sport uh, by, uh, by taking up and preventing – uh, the fights that we all want to see uh, by these uh, stupid uh, uh, mandatories. Um, and finally, the last email is from my man Mitch. He says, Billy C., can you finally accept... <laughs> we were goofing about this yesterday, Sal. He says, can you finally accept on air that I'm right? And he says, Canelo, Triple G, Heyman, De La Hoya, Sal's boy Wilder, the WBC, Sal's boy Thurman, Kovalev, Broner, etc., etc., etc. They all listen to your show. Once again, what are the odds of you saying one thing on your show and less than 48 hours later they address it? It's happening too often. Canelo proved it yesterday with his 13th round statement comment less than 12 hours after you said it. The show may not be... Uh, no, he says the show isn't the best because it has the most listeners or comes on at the best time of day. Your show is the best because it fuels boxing talk. These promoters and boxers play off of what you say, what Dax says, what Sal says, what Larry and Alex, what you all say on the show. Um, I'm sold. I'm sold. I, I love that my man Mitch gives us Mitch. the accolades like this. I do believe it's uh, coincidental, uh, but uh, but it does happen an awful lot, doesn't it, Sal? <laughs> 
It it certainly does. I mean, uh, I, I love taking stock and taking notes. So, Mitch, thank you so much for paying attention because uh, there may be some reality in what you're saying and and uh, keep us abreast of what we say and what you see the next day. <laughs> but I'll tell you, and uh, we, we talk about the round robin effect in boxing. We talk about uh, all the other in, in, innuendos and, and, and what we want to say. And it does come out, and uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, finally, uh, tomorrow, uh, Sal and I will be breaking down and giving you our official predictions on all the big fights for the weekend. I also have an update on Kel Brook, who's returning to the ring this weekend, and the possibility of Vasily Lomachenko uh, fighting Jorge Linares. Um, we all thought that that fight was dead uh, because um, of various reasons, but it was announced late yesterday that there's a, not only a strong possibility, but it's uh, very close to being signed. I'll explain all of that on tomorrow's show, and that's a, that's a big fight uh, for, uh, for the sport. Oh, yeah. But on this day, as we start a new month, March 1st in we 2003, do. Roy Jones Jr. wins a 12-round decision over John Ruiz uh, to win the WBA World Light Heavyweight title. Uh, I'm sorry, to win the WBA World Heavyweight title uh, in Las Vegas on this day in 2003. Uh, 2003. On this day in 1933, Bob Goodwin wins a 10-round decision over Joe Knight to win the vacant uh, World Light Heavyweight title. That took place in West Palm Beach, Florida. On this day in 1997, Steve Johnston wins a 12-round decision over Jean-Baptiste Mendy uh, to win the WBC World Lightweight title. It took place in Paris. On this day in 1966, Horatio uh, Akavalo uh, wins a 15-round decision over Katsuyoshi Takeyama uh, to win the vacant WBA World Flyweight title. It took place in Japan. On this day in 1934, Primo Carnera uh, wins a yes. 15-round decision over Tommy Loughran to retain the World Heavyweight title uh, at uh, the Madison Square Garden in Miami, Florida. There was a Madison Square Garden wow. in Miami, by the way. Primo weighed that. 270 pounds. You know what Tommy Lockwood weighed? 186. 186. I just guessed that. Did you really? Now, why can't I get I just guessed 186. I wasn't, but I, I just pulled that out of the air. No, well, like, you I were... tried lottery numbers every night. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't just... work. But um, I swear, I just pulled 186 out. Where, am I, where else am I going to get it from? I'm not know, that fast on a keyboard, pal. This fight at, at the <laughs> Madison Square Garden in Miami, Florida, um, had uh, uh, almost 13,000 people in attendance for this fight. So. Wow. Uh, and finally, uh, on this day, March 1st in 1997, um, in, in really, uh, you know, this guy needs to get the credit Maybe not so much this time when he fought, but Hector Macho Camacho, uh, when he first hit the scene in the 80s and prior to the Edwin Rosario fight when he actually uh, changed his style, uh, was one of the greatest fighters of all time. And, you know, at those lighter divisions, lightweight, we're talking about lightweights and stuff, this guy had it all. He had hand speed. He had defense. Uh, he had charisma. He had punching power. He went in for the kill. I mean, this was an exciting fighter. Unfortunately, for a lot of you that watch or listen to the show, you remember the Camacho that came years later, like 
the fight on this day in 1997 when uh, Hector Macho Camacho uh, stops via TKO Sugar Ray Leonard in the fifth round in their uh, uh, middleweight fight that took place in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, this would be uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's last professional fight. 36 wins, 25 by knockout, three losses, one stoppage, which was this one, uh, and uh, one draw. He was inducted into the International Hall of Fame uh, in 1997, uh, which uh, was uh, um, he had been inducted in the Hall of Fame when, when the votes came out and then fought this fight which was also an issue because you had to be uh, out of uh, boxing for five years, but he never would fight again. But anyway, that's what happened on this day in boxing history, Sal. Uh, a lot of, uh, lot of good stuff. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. Uh, uh, winning the world heavyweight title uh, was also uh, a, big, uh, uh, a big thing. But, uh, Absolutely. Uh, in any event. Um, hey, listen, boys and girls, tomorrow, big show, all of our predictions uh and uh we want you to join us so uh make sure you tune in tomorrow morning same bat time same bat channel until then i'll leave you with this ciao baby